I mentioned about the uh, Israel trip, and so I've been keeping my eye, of course, on the news of in Israel, the Middle East, the Gaza Strip, Hamas. I believe many of you have been watching the news each day, seeing what's going on there, and uh, um, I've received letters, of course, from the Ministry of Tourism and from Yaffa Tours, who is part of what I was trying to put together and I've worked with them in the past and, and they just keep updating and, and that type of thing. But it, it's very discouraging and, and disheartening at times when I focus on what is happening there. I came across a news article this past week titled, Bethlehem Cancels Christmas. And then it says, but local pastors still expect a holy night. The newspaper article continues, it says, at Emmanuel Evangelical Church in Bethlehem, Israel, instead of Christmas lights, senior pastor Nahad Salman rummaged out a banner from the church closet. The banner was a picture of a woman fleeing bomb-shelled buildings and printed in Arabic are the words, let us arise and worship God. In the midst of the rubble, in the midst of the war, the call to still worship God. I think that should challenge us as we sit here in peace and prosperity and ask ourselves the question in our, in our calling to serve God. Anyways, the article continues. It says, it will be a silent night this Christmas in Bethlehem. But it'll still be a holy night, according to local Christian leaders. Stripping Christmas of all, ex all its extraneous decorations and Western traditions, they say will help them focus on the true meaning of Christmas. Very different than our concepts, isn't it? I hear many people say, oh, there's no snow. I don't know how I can celebrate Christmas. You know? Let's just put ourselves somewhere else in the world. Today in the Middle East, I can assure you that the church is looking forward to the return of Jesus for his hope, peace, and joy, and love that will be established for eternity in his second coming. They're crying out for that this morning we relit the first three candles of the Advent wreath, the candles of hope, peace, and joy. And then we lit the fourth candle, the candle of love. The center candle is the Christ candle. Jesus is the light of the world and we'll focus more on that tonight. A Christmas heart brings love. And we've been working through this theme of a Christmas heart what does it mean to have a Christmas heart? What does it mean to have a Christ-centered heart? You maybe have asked the question, why has Westgate participated in Advent, in the Advent tradition? Let me tell you, the Advent tradition started around the 4th century. And Advent, as it was being birthed in the church, did not focus on Christ's birth. But on a second coming. It was not attached to Christmas at first. And then of course as Christmas came later on. 
Because the church didn't celebrate Christmas at first. The church was looking at the return of Christ. They knew he had come. And they were looking at the return of Christ. But in time, of course, Advent and Christmas got loosely connected together. But Advent has that future focus. And I believe in our culture, time passes very fast. We move from one event to the next event, never stopping to smell the flowers. And so we move into Christmas and out of Christmas. As followers of Christ, as we move into Christmas, many of us have no problems with syncretism. We have no problems adding Christmas presents. We have no problems adding Santa Claus. We have no problems adding Christmas trees, wreaths, Christmas carols that have no mention of Jesus. We have no problems adding these things, reindeer and snow, mistletoes, chestnuts, favorite movies. The list can go on. I think Advent, though, creates a moment where we smell the flowers. It slows us down and it will help us to engage Christmas and take our focus from the things around us to the past and then to the future. Oh, don't get me wrong this morning. I am not a Christmas Scrooge. You know, I love Christmas. Our Christmas tree is up. My brother razzes me, but our Christmas tree is up and, and there's Christmas decorations. I love Christmas. I love the smells of Christmas. My wife is so good. She gets those kind of stinky candles, you know, and gets them going in the house, you know. Um, for me, after a while, I have to put them out because of my allergies and stuff like that. My, my sinuses and hit it, you know, like that. But, but I still love it. I still love the smells and the atmosphere of the food. But I think that Jesus desires more than what we give him at Christmas. And I believe that Jesus deserves more. And so I want to challenge you, church, in that way. Because Christmas is more than a past event that moves into history and we just leave it there. Christmas is a present event because Jesus is here today. If you've accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, He is living in you through His Holy Spirit. He is alive. And Christmas is about the future for Jesus' return. It's not a done story. But sometimes we as Christians, we live as though it's a done story and we live as though we're done, right? Too often it seems that way. The story of Christmas begins with God creating and the pinnacle of God's creation is Adam and Eve. Where God breathes into Adam life. What is that life? That life is a soul. That life that 
God breathes into Adam is eternity. And you and I, humanity is the only, and you might not like me for what I'm going to say next, we are the only ones of God's creation on planet earth that has eternity. You and I have a soul because God breathed into us the breath of life. Animals do not have souls. We do. And so we need to realize that. We are the pinnacle of God's creation. And every human being has a soul. Has eternity within them. Where they will spend eternity. That is the question. And Adam and Eve, they rebel against God. And they're removed from the garden. Because in their rebellion, they're separated from God and darkness enters. And that brings us to Advent. Because we begin Advent with darkness and with hope. And then we move from that hope. We move to peace. From peace, we move to joy. And this morning, we're going to move to love. God's unconditional love. Something that we in our own power and strength, we are unable to do. We are unable to give unconditional love. And many times we don't even understand unconditional love. The love that we give so often is conditional. And many of us live in that fear of conditional love. If I don't do this, I might not be loved. You might even have digressed from the word of love further back to, if I don't do this, I won't be liked. But God's love is unconditional. It is. God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Romans 5.8 God's unconditional love. You see, while we were rejecting him, God loved us. God calls us to do that same love. And this love, this love expresses itself not so much as an emotional love, but as a, as a decision But the qualities of that love create emotions. They do. First Corinthians 13, 4 to 8 tells us the qualities of God's love. And those qualities are the qualities that you and I are to imitate to one another. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. So often we take this and we attach it to a wedding. But, But this is to the church, this is to you and me. Every day this is where we're to live. Because this is where God lives. (laughs) 
The Bible tells us that God is love. So God gives himself. And our love is a response to God's love. Just as God's love is action, so our love in return becomes actionable. And we open ourselves up to God's presence through the Holy Spirit. And we reflect the qualities of the love of God to our world. And we love our world. So again, we go to Scripture. and I'm not going to give you the verse because you know it already. What are we told? To love the Lord God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and to love our neighbor as ourself. By this, you will be known. The familiar Christmas story of God's love appears for us in 1 Peter 1, 8-16. Different than the text we would normally look at. Is that a Christmas text? Well, as we read, you will realize it is a Christmas text. The early church, they embraced Christ's first appearing and they were embracing the second that is yet to come. The first was so that the price of our sin would be paid. The second is so that he would establish his kingdom, the kingdom of, of peace, joy, and love. And, and so let's look at this Christmas text. 1 Peter 1, 8-16. It says, though you have not seen him, you love him. You see, many in the early church had not seen Jesus. As Peter writes this to the church, because the church was growing. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. There's hope. There's the hope of the Advent season. There's the hope that we have in Christ. And then he says, and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. You see, our hope brings us to joy. For you are receiving the end results of your faith, the salvation of your souls, peace made into right relationship with God, our creator. Our sins are forgiven. We embrace that. We are at peace. And then Peter goes on to say, concerning this salvation that you and I have embraced, it's so true for us today as he writes to the church then because we're just a little bit further down the pipe, a few years, not much. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently with the greatest care. Trying to find out the time and the circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. You see, before Christ came, prophets were looking for when Christ would come to pay the penalty of our sin. It was revealed to, to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been 
told you by those who have preached the gospel. What's the gospel? That Jesus came, walked this earth, died on the cross of Calvary, was buried and rose on the third day. When they spoke of these things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even angels long to look into these things. Wow. And then, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. The future hope. So we've gone from the way past, from the garden, prophets, to Jesus coming, walking this earth, dying for our sins, to looking forward to his return. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. Today, you and I are recipients of this message. Generations before have longed to hear. And you and I have this. Peter tells us that even angels long to look into the promises, hoping and waiting. And then when the time came, they were able to rejoice when the time came. So we go to Luke chapter 2, verse 8 to 15, and we already heard part of this passage. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 15. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, watch, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. There it is now. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And the angels continue to rejoice today as a person comes to know Christ. The scriptures tell us that. Every time somebody comes to know Christ, they rejoice. They're rejoicing because of the redemption of humanity has begun. God entered our world, the world he created. He entered it through birth. Jesus, fully man, fully God, born of the virgin, born in a stable because there was no room in the inn. And the first evangelists were simple shepherds. There's an application here, if we want. If simple shepherds, and when you read on our passage, when simple shepherds become evangelists, not theologians, not pastors, just simple shepherds become evangelists, why can't we be evangelists? When we've encountered... The Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit indwells us.
Mary and Joseph, they named Jesus, they named the child Jesus. They were instructed to do that. And Jesus means God delivers or God saves. And Jesus heals the sick when he walked this earth and today. He raises the dead and will raise the dead. He proclaims the kingdom of God. And then God, Jesus, crucified by the hands that created, that he created. Jesus is buried and rose from the dead, and on the third day he ascended to the right hand of God. That's the gospel. We know it. And he's coming back. I don't know if the shepherds, if they knew much more than that, they didn't even know that. They are the first evangelists. A Christmas heart brings love. And love, love moves us away from self. God's love brought us back to him. Our love for God is to move us to loving our neighbors. And so we live today, we could say, between prophecy fulfilled and prophecy yet to be fulfilled. And we sit in the in-between. And we see the brokenness. We see families divided. We see struggles. And we need to remember that you and I aren't trusted with God's plan of love. You know, he, he's not going to send angels to do the work that we're supposed to be doing. You are his plan. You are the ones that are to proclaim, just as the shepherds went and proclaimed. We've not seen Jesus, but we've read the accounts we could say we've not seen Jesus, but we have experienced Jesus. We've seen his fingerprints. We've seen his footprints in history. And then we've encountered him in our life. We have not seen him physically, but we know he lives. We know that. And we know that he gives life. So God's love is at work in you. That's what it is. I believe that each one of us who have accepted Christ desire more. And I, and I believe that each one of us that has accepted Christ, we would have to say our lives are different with Christ than they would be without Christ. And that is part of the gospel story. And that's the story we need to tell. Jesus has made a difference in my life.
we come to know the selfless love of Jesus. And 1 John 4, 16 to 19 says it so clearly and so simple. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among you so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. So Christmas, Christmas is about love. And, and it's not self-love. You see, it's about loving others. So Christmas heart brings love. And we'll never understand this until we allow Christ to have complete rule and reign in our lives. There's nothing wrong with all the decorations and everything of Christmas. But it is about Jesus. And sometimes we turn it about into something else. A Christmas heart makes a difference throughout the year. See, so here's the catch. Because Christmas we pack up into a box, don't we? In a couple of weeks, we'll do that. Don't pack up Jesus into the box, okay? Don't do that. I think many of us do, but don't do that. Don't. A Christmas heart makes a difference throughout the year. So I want to encourage you to embrace God's love. Remember that God's love is for the hurting, the broken, those that are sick. Jesus said healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but know who know they are sinners and need to repent. You see, the gospel message is for the broken. And that's what you and I were. Maybe you haven't embraced Jesus yet, but it's your brokenness that has brought you here this morning, or it's your brokenness that has brought you to listening to this service. And Jesus heals broken hearts and broken lives. Those of you that accepted Jesus, you know that's true. You know that. You need to tell others. So God's love gives us hope and peace and joy. And we don't need to be afraid of the future. We don't need to be afraid of Christ's return if we're living in Christ. So here we are. You are the recipients of a truth that has changed the history of the world. You are recipients of a truth that has changed your life 
you are recipients of a truth that will change or can change the west side of the city of Saskatoon, that can change your family, your friends. And I want to encourage you to be bold for Jesus this Christmas. And as we come to the end of the year, as we come to the end of the year, I really want to challenge you to not put Jesus in the box and put him back in the cupboard, but continue to declare the Lord Jesus. It's okay. They're paying attention <laughs> to the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. So as you celebrate this year, keep your eyes focused on Jesus. I want to lead in prayer, and then I'm going to turn it over to the worship team. Heavenly Father, we come before you, and Father, we just, your love, your love is what has changed us, has brought us here. Your love has changed our lives. And yet, Father, I feel for myself that sometimes I don't declare your love enough. I don't allow your love to be visible in my life. I'm not the ambassador that you want me to be. And if you are here too at this moment, just at this moment, just confess that. Father, I'm not the ambassador of the gospel. I'm not the ambassador of your love that you want me to be. Father, help me to be the ambassador of your love and of your grace. Help me to declare the gospel message in life and deed. From this day forward, we ask this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.